The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Happy New Year, America. Welcome to 2020. And boy, was it a big welcome. This is the Sarah Carter Show. I'm coming to you from the Carter Cave. It is at an undisclosed location, which will soon be on YouTube for all of you to see. I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to doing live video of my podcast and bringing you great interviews and incredible people from across the country that are making a difference in our world and changing our lives and people that will teach us so much about ourselves and so much about what's going on. I'm also a fellow with the Independent Women's Forum. Please check out the Independent Women's Forum online. That's independentwomensforum.com. You will learn so much. Even if you're a man, just go there and check it out. There is so much to learn, so much we've been up to. Uh, you can also find my stories at sarahacarter.com. That's sarahacarter.com. And please follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC, Sarah Carter DC, where you will have the latest updates. And boy, did we have some huge breaking news coming through uh, right at the beginning of the new year. Remember, President Trump promised Iran that he would respond to uh, the Mo- Iranian militias uh, that attacked the U.S. embassy in Iraq and also with the death of the U.S. contractor that there was going to be big news and boy was there big news. The United States targeted and killed Qassam Soleimani. Uh, This is General Qassam Soleimani. He was head of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Quds Force. This is the most elite force of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard and worked directly with the Ayatollahs. He joined the Quds Force actually in 1998. He has been uh, considered a warlord by almost anybody uh, in the Western world. He is swift and he was. He was very swift and uh, capable when it came to intelligence, which meant that it was really difficult for people to locate him. Even when I was on the ground in Iraq and in Afghanistan or when I traveled through the Persian Gulf or if I spoke to people in Pakistan, Soleimani was considered probably the single most powerful operative in the region, somebody who operated like a ghost. He was cloaked in this kind of veneer of official Iranian uh, militancy, but he operated as a terrorist. So the interesting thing was, is that even though the Iranian government and their Quds Force was considered kind of like this official special forces combined CIA style uh, militant operation or military uh, group, they operated as terrorists. 
Their funding was to establish proxy, Iranian proxy groups across the globe. They were involved in the killings of hundreds, if not thousands, of American soldiers and innocent people everywhere, both in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I know that people have focused solely on Iraq, over 600 soldiers. But let me tell you, in Afghanistan, the Quds Force and the Iranian IRGC, that's the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, was actually supplying knowledge, training, weapons, munitions to the Taliban on the ground. And many people say, well, why why would Iran support the Taliban? You know, they really didn't want it. Well, they wanted us less. It didn't matter that the Taliban was Sunni. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about here, um, the Iranian government is a Shia government, a Muslim Shia government. Um, the Sunnis directly oppose the Shia. The Sunnis are the other uh, Muslim group. And you'll see that in Saudi Arabia, there's a lot of tension. And Iran's goal, Iran's goal in the region was to create what people described, again, analysts, uh, other government officials that I worked with in the Middle East, uh, as well as in South Asia, people who understood how Iran operated, was to create what they called the Shia Crescent, was to move the Muslim uh, religion, of sh- the Shia religion, and, and their base of power and control across from Iran, sweep it through Iraq, which is what they've done very successfully, by the way, since the Obama administration basically walked out and gave up on Iraq because the Obama administration never signed the SOFA, a SOFA agreement with Iraq, which was basically an agreement that would, and they never forced Iraq into that signature by leaving. We were supposed to be leaving 10,000 troops behind. Obama decided not to do that. Um, a state of forces agreement with Iraq and we ended up walking away. There was no agreement. And we saw what happened. The Iranian uh, regime moved right in, swept in the Shia coalitions, suppressed the Sunni minority inside Iraq. We saw an escalation again within Iraq. We've seen that building and we've seen the Iranian government take a very stronghold inside Iraq, both in their parliament, in their government, Um, From sources that I've spoken to, they've actually seen Iranian militia there for years now and Iranian IRGC as well as Quds Force members operating in Baghdad and operating throughout the region. The Kurdish forces have warned us about this as well, some of our Kurdish allies. So we've seen this coming. We knew this was coming. But obviously we have a new president, President Donald Trump, which is not leading from behind. President Donald Trump, who would have signed the status of forces agreement. I know he would have during that time, during that withdrawal, which we so ignored back then. We saw the rise of Islamic State, ISIS, as people like to call it. They they refer to themselves as the Islamic State. We saw the rise of Islamic State in Syria. We saw them sweep through Iraq, killing thousands of people taking Yazidi women prisoner. We saw what happened in that region. And believe me, the Iranians were fine with it. Why? Because not only were the Iranians dealing with Syria, we were spread so thin. We were dealing with a civil war inside Syria. 
And the Iranian government, by the way, was very tied in to the regime, to Assad's regime, very close allied with Assad's regime. And Iran and Russia wanted control. There again, I'm going back to the Shia crescent, right? This is what they wanted to do, to sweep across from Iran all the way to Syria, which is where they build their stronghold. And where, who borders there? Our closest ally, Israel. Let me go back to some of the most important consequences that happened without trying to sound like, you know, I'm, I'm bashing on any previous administrations, but I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do here is lay out the facts. Donald Trump's decisive decision, President Trump making a decisive decision on actionable intelligence to take out uh, General Qasem Soleimani. Why would he do that? Let me play this out for you. What happens when we don't make decisive decisions? What happens when we're too afraid to do the right thing? When we say, well, maybe we should wait for them to target us and then we can respond because, you know, maybe the rest of the world will look at us differently if we go on the offensive. Well, I'm going to tell you that's that's not true at all. We see that from the response from Germany. Germany recently just came out and said after we targeted Soleimani that the United States was justified, justified in targeting and killing him because of Iran's continuous provocation against U.S. citizens, U.S. personnel, U.S. military, and our embassy in Iraq. And now I'm going to tell you what happened with al-Qaeda, with Osama bin Laden. And many of you will remember this, and I'm just going to briefly go through it, just to refresh your memories about how people dropped the ball continuously on bin Laden. In the very beginning, if you go back to the late 1990s, bin Laden conducted most of his operations overseas. He wasn't actually targeting anything inside the United States. He was targeting U.S. personnel um, and uh, U.S. embassies. Remember the Kenya bombing at the U.S. embassy? That killed over 258 people, from what I can recall right now, at the U.S. embassy in Kenya in 1998. That was an al-Qaeda operation. The USS Cole, I mean, directly targeted a U.S. Navy ship. But let me go back to the failures. And this came from the 9-11 Commission report. After the September 11th attacks that killed 3,000 people, the World Trade Centers destroyed, toppled down. Many people who are listening to this are so young you don't even remember this. Or you weren't even born. I remember it. It changed my life. Because I grew up in Saudi Arabia. You know, my father worked over there. He was an American working overseas. I had a close connection with the people. I used to love to go to the souk. Oh, gosh, I used to love to go to these open markets with my mom, smelling all the spices, walking around. You know, the Arab families sitting together by the water um, was not always perfect, but I had a connection there. And I thought to myself, wow, Bin Laden, this man, this leader of this terrorist organization that most of us at the time never even paid attention to, wanted to destroy our nation, our way of life, was willing to fly planes with innocent people, little children. And by the way, and by the way, Iran, Iran was connected to Al-Qaeda, Iran gave safe harbor to bin Laden's son even after his death in Iran. 
Many people are totally mistaken. In the Middle East, the enemy of the enemy is my friend. And that is how they operate. And believe me, Iran operates on those levels. But the reason I'm going back to bin Laden is because there were so many missed opportunities. Soleimani knew his entire life there were two ways he was going to go. He was either going to die of old age or somebody was going to kill him. Because guess what? He lived by the sword. He killed so many people. He was a murderer. And he knew one day he would go out that way. Believe me, they know. They know he's a martyr now to them, to his group. But we're rid of a really bad guy who was planning a very serious operation, according to my sources, against U.S. assets and personnel. But I want to go back to the missed opportunities. May 1998, Tarnock Farms raid plan rejected. This comes out of the September 11th report. The CIA had planned on an effort to capture bin Laden in 1998. And they were going to bring him to the United States for trial. But at the very last minute, CIA senior management got scared. They lost their nerve. They were worried that somebody was going to get killed in the operation, that they wouldn't be able to capture bin Laden, whatever. They got second guessed. And they never brought that plan to President Bill Clinton, according to them, for a decision, to make a decision on that. And that was according to the September 11th report. In August of 1998, there was another plan. It was a campaign for continued airstrikes against Al-Qaeda. This is 1998, guys. Think about this. This is years before September 11th. They knew exactly where bin Laden was. It was a campaign for continued airstrikes after Al-Qaeda attacks two U.S. embassies in Africa, killing hundreds of people. I mean, directly targeted, does this sound familiar? Our embassies. But in these attacks, they literally kill hundreds of people. I still see in my head the video of this poor person being carried from the rubble in the hands of people that were trying to take people out of the embassy. And by the way, it wasn't just people in the embassy that were targeted. So many civilians that were walking on the outside of the embassy were killed. Rubble everywhere. Lives destroyed. People mangled. I was in Afghanistan. I was in Afghanistan when the Indian embassy was targeted. And it was believed to have been targeted by the Taliban. Some people suspected that Pakistan itself was involved in that operation. And I was there when that bomb went off. It was a V-bid. It was a vehicle improvised explosive device. So it was a car filled with bombs. And I saw with my own eyes what happened to the people that were in the proximity of these bombs. And I hope nobody ever sees that in their life. Children ripped apart, literally ripped apart. People melting into the street, lives destroyed, terror running through everybody's, every inch of your bone, every part of your body is terrorized. You're wondering if another bomb is going to go off. It was horrific. It was horrible. This was a very, very dangerous time. But think about this. Two embassies attacked. 
there was the opportunity. And President Bill Clinton pulled back. He pulled back. In August 1998, covert operations were limited to a capture operation and then not killed. This was August 1998. And I'm going through the 9-11 Commission here so that you guys can understand how many times we could have actually stopped September 11th from happening had we been on the offensive, but we decided not to be because we were afraid. What was the political fallout going to be? Would we lose operators in this operation? How would we handle this? So they decided not to do it. Clinton wavered over signing this memo that would basically authorize the killing of bin Laden. First, he only authorized the capture. Then he agreed to allow bin Laden killing and then they weakened the language in the memo according to the september 11th report the 9-11 commission report and then cia officials at that time in august 1998 they became aware of what was going on with the president and that he was wavering back and forth and then they were under the impression that they didn't have permission to kill the al-qaeda leader again ball dropped didn't do it President Donald Trump is not that kind of man. He is not that kind of leader. He's not going to sit there and allow U.S. personnel or U.S. forces or our assets overseas to be targeted by Iran or by any other enemy state or uh, shadow actor such as Al-Qaeda or Islamic State. He doesn't want war. I can tell you this personally. I have spoken personally to the president about this. I've heard him say it. He wants to know how do we resolve the problem? How do we resolve the crisis? How do we win? How do we take care of our personnel overseas? How do we do that? If anything, President Trump is the least apt of any previous president to want to be involved in a war overseas. He doesn't want that. It carries a big stick. And he's saying, don't push me. Don't push me. I'm, I'm willing to do trade deals with you. I'll lessen the sanctions on you. Just operate normally in the world. Stop threatening American lives. Stop threatening our allies. Let's find a way to work together. But if you don't, and if you continue to threaten, I will not stand for that. And he sent a clear message, a clear message. So anyone out there who's saying that President Trump is, uh, you know, a neocon, that he's a warmonger, that, oh, Lord, he just started World War Three. No, he did not. He sent a message to a bully that has been targeting us for quite some time. Let me, you, you what? Let me just go back. Let me just go through some of the things that people forget about Iran. People forget. Why? Because there are people out there that change the narrative all the time. And because we're so busy, we don't have time to know what's 
always going on or rereading history. But let me go back. 1983, the Beirut Embassy and Marine Corps barracks bombings. What about that? How many Marines did we lose? Iran was responsible for that. They overtly allied with Osama bin Laden in Khartoum in 1990. These are the Iranians. What about the Kobar Towers, 1996? Then again, back to the East African Embassy bombings in 1998. The USS Cole attack in 2000. You don't think the Iranian regime is connected to all of this? They are connected to all of this. And to top it off, they directly threaten not only the lives of America, but the lives and the nation of our greatest ally in the Middle East, Israel. Consistently, consistently targeting Israel through its proxies, through Hezbollah, through Hamas. Let me talk to you a little bit about what they did in, in Argentina, in South America, in Mexico. Read Joby Warwick's great piece. He wrote a great piece about it. I've talked about it for some time, about Iran's influence in Mexico, how they're recruiting students inside Mexico, taking them to Iran, into Tehran, and basically brainwashing them. Some of them may be becoming operatives for the Iranian regime, and then they're putting be, being put back into the government and back into the workforce in Mexico. Sounds so crazy, huh? That's a Washington Post story by Joby Warwick. Look it up. Just we're not paying attention to that. What about the targeting of people, Jewish people, by the way, in, um, in, in Argentina? Let me go back to this. It was uh, on July 18th, 1994, 85 people killed and injuring hundreds at a bombing in Argentina at the Asociación Mutual Israelita Argentina. That's the Association of the Israelites in Argentina. It's an association that was like a Jewish community center where Jewish families would go and meet and their children would play. Everything pointed back to Iran. Everything pointed back to Iran. That was the 18th of July, 1994. So that's just a little bit of the history. And I know I've just barreled you with like all of these dates and these facts and figures. But I want you to understand that Soleimani is not this, you know, general that sat back in an office and did nothing. He was an actionable guy. He was on the ground. He was consistently traveling in the region. He was like a ghost. But the fact that we got actionable intelligence on him and we knew exactly where he was and were able to target him. I'm going to tell you my theory here. I think the IRGC is crumbling inside. I think the fact that we got this intelligence tells me a lot about what's happening inside Iran. I think under President Donald Trump, we have more eyes on the ground in Iran. And I think the Iranian government is terrified now. Think about how well guarded and well protected Soleimani has been. Somebody gave up Soleimani's location. This wasn't just a drone in the sky. Soleimani was very good at moving around very covertly without anyone ever knowing. From a building to a car, you would never see him inside. Sometimes he would just drive around in his vehicle without anybody with him. He was that smart. Why? Because as long as he wasn't in a convoy, nobody would ever know that was Soleimani driving through the city. Soleimani knew how to operate. 
So the fact that we had that intelligence leads me to believe that we now have very high level spies inside the Iranian government and that the Iranian government basically better watch out because that means none of them are safe. The United States and Western allies are closely monitoring Iran's every move. Now we're waiting to see what happens next, right? How is Iran going to respond? Well, this is going to be very important. This is going to be extraordinarily important because our response will be reciprocal. And yes, it could escalate to war. But my God, for years, for decades, this has been coming. So maybe this event won't escalate to war. Maybe this event is a wake-up call, a moment where Iran will say, wow, this guy means business. This is serious. We need to figure this out. Look, the Iranian economy is breaking up inside. The economy, the young people are rising in the streets. I'm in communication. I get the Twitter accounts and the emails and the direct messages from Iran. I see what's happening over there. I wish there was more of me. I would love to go and cover the stories in Iran. I would never come back because they would never, <laughs> they probably would, would take me into custody. Um, so, but I mean, we as Americans can do more, just even from our own homes. I mean, follow what's going on in Iran. Look at how they fight for democracy and freedom. Look at what they are doing there. Look at what's going on. As for what happens next, well, we don't know. It's going to be up to Iran. And then it'll be up to us to make that really tough decision on where we go from here. But I'm going to tell you this, as Americans... We should not be fighting one another on the president's decision to do this. He made the right choice. He made the right call. He saved American lives. He saved lives. This was no Benghazi. This was no leading from behind. He wasn't going to leave people abandoned at an embassy to be torn apart, to be dragged through like Ambassador Christopher Stevens. Poor Ambassador Christopher Stevens. Decisions are tough when you're a leader. I don't want to judge anybody right now. But as Americans, it's our job to be unified. It's not politicized. This was a decision that was made to save lives. So stop politicizing it. Democrats should not be doing that. Germany and other nations have said America was justified in doing this. They have the evidence. They have the information before them. Germany knows how Iran operates. It's got a great intelligence service. It actually banned Mahan Airlines last year in January. It's an Iranian airline that, by the way, Ambassador Richard Grinnell had long fought to see that their license was revoked in Germany. Why? Because this commercial airliner was transporting weapons to militias all over the world for the IRGC. So it was operating as a carrier, a commercial carrier, but hiding what it was actually really doing. 
which was transporting weapons and funding to militia groups around the world. Germany banned them. They made the right decision. Now we've got to stick together and our allies need to stick by us. But how can our allies stand by us if we're so divided? It's time for us to tell the American people the truth, to lay out the facts, and to, for once, or maybe I don't want to say for once, again, for us to again be unified, for us to say, okay, we're not going to let politics divide us. We're going to look at the facts and then we're going to move forward because right now we need to be unified. This was a really big, bold decision on the part of the president. And I'm really grateful that he made it because so many people in the past have been too afraid to make a decision. And in the end, we've paid the price for it. I'm not going to keep preaching. I am so excited to be back on the air in this great 2020 this new year look this is going to be the roaring 20s again so much is going to happen so much in our future i promise you i'll be back with uh my predictions uh what to expect for the new year that's going to be really exciting um i can't wait to share all those with you but i felt that today iran was what was important here our fighting forces overseas may god bless them and keep them and so that their families and so that they remain safe and healthy and come back to us. And I pray that we do not end up in an escalated uh, situation where that leads to war. But I know personally, you know, as a wife of a wounded veteran, that we make sacrifices And we know what those sacrifices are. And I will sit and I'll pray for our nation. I'll pray for our country. I'll pray for our veterans, our intelligence officials overseas, that we make the right choices. And for the president of the United States, who I believe made a bold and decisive and right choice in doing this. I want to uh, thank you all for being with me today. I can't tell you how much it means to me. This is the Sarah Carter Show. I am coming to you from the Carter Cave, soon to be on YouTube. So excited about that. Can't wait to do it live with you. I'm a fellow with the Independent Women's Forum. Please visit the Independent Women's Forum online. And you can follow me and read all the top stories at SarahACarter.com. That's SarahACarter.com. And follow me on Twitter at SarahCarterDC. That's Sarah Carter DC. Thanks again for joining me today. I look forward to coming back soon. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King. Rule the day.
The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.